Amen. Man, good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome in. My name is Andy John King. I'm the lead pastor here at Lindsay Lane, and we are glad to have you here. Uh, we're glad if the, for those of us, uh, for those of you joining us online, uh, we're glad to have you as well. We have folks sitting in the foyer. Thank you guys so much back there for your patience with us. We're so glad to have you. We have people in overflow that are in the foundation center where our students meet, and so we're thankful to have them there. Uh, truly, and man, y'all y'all sound good when you sing. Come on, y'all sound great. Uh, and we're uh, we're just glad to be here for Easter, Amen. And I'm going to pray for us one more time before we jump in. But once again, we're glad that you're here with us today, Lord. We we're grateful and thankful for who you are. Uh, we're grateful and and thankful, O oh Lord, for this crowd of people that would come today to to learn about you, to seek you, to worship you. And God, I pray today, Lord, that we're all here on purpose, Lord. That this means something to us, and we know why we're here, Lord. As we look through your Word, God, we pray that your Word would read us. Spirit of God, would you guide us into all truth? Make it plain to us, Lord. Make it plain our sin and your righteousness. And God, help us today, Lord, to draw near to you, God, as you are drawing near to us. We love you. We praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and open to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And as you are turning there, I want to, uh, I'll be asking you a bunch of questions today. I want to go ahead and ask you this one. How many of you are familiar with the game show, Let's Make a Deal? Right? Most people in here are familiar with that because Let's Make a Deal has been on forever and it continues to run uh, even through now. And so most people have either heard of it or seen it. But on Let's Make a Deal, the contestants basically are offered deals and then they choose between what they have or something that carries the possibility of being greater. Right? Of being greater. In John chapter 1, Jesus is beginning to draw disciples to himself. People are beginning to dedicate themselves to Jesus and to follow Jesus. And then in John chapter 1, verse 50, Jesus tells a new follower, after seeing all the divine power of God before him, you will see greater things than this. You will see greater things than this. The idea of greater or more is appealing to us all, is it not? I mean, when we hear that something we could have could be greater, it's appealing to us. Greater opportunity, greater income, more time, better results, upgrades, something greater. And, and when, it, when it comes to greater, we either will explore the possibility of what it could be by taking a risk of sorts, or we will be afraid of that risk, and we will be afraid of any change that it would produce towards or to affect the deal that we already have. Now, I think we just should play it. You want to play, let's make a deal this morning? I have a, have a friend of mine, a member here, Mr. Keith Traywick, who's going to join us on the stage. And uh, you know what, basically, hey, y'all make him feel welcome because I put him on the spot. Come on, Keith. Keith is, is going to join us up here. Now, Keith, just for being up here and playing Let's Make a Deal, and agreeing with about five minutes ago to join me on stage. Uh, we're going to give you a gift just because you've joined us on stage, all right? So I'd like to present you with that. This is yours. You could take it, open it, and then tell everybody what you got. This is a real high-budget game, by the way. Real high-budget game. All right, so, so okay, yeah, right? We got some people down front, they're like, that's awesome. Well, only Keith is, is playing, okay? All right, so... Keith has got a $5 in his hand. Now, I told him before we started, 
He doesn't have any pressure to make one decision or the other. He can keep what he has, or he can take the deal, and he can get this nice pink egg with flowers on it that didn't cost any more than that one. But you can, you can keep what you have, or you can go to the pink egg and try to make a deal that could be possibly something greater. Hey, it's easy for y'all when y'all, y'all not playing. He's got $5 in his hand. All right, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> no cash. All right, he's going to take the risk. All right, I'm going to take this. All right, you took the risk. Now you can open the pink egg. You tell everybody what's inside if there is anything at all. It's $6. $6. So he took a risk on what was there could possibly be even greater. We made it five, and we turned it to six. All right. Now hold on to that because we're going to revisit that idea later. But just for being a great sport because you got a family here, here, we're going to give you the whole $11 and the eggs. Now, y'all give him a hand. Yes, sir. Now... Keith, as you're making your way off, man, we appreciate you. We want you to know that our offering buckets are just outside the doors. And, uh, man, we appreciate your faithfulness in every area of stewardship. True story, we got another service later. I don't need the money back, but I do need the eggs. All right, somebody catch Keith on their way out. I want to give you an opening thought. I want to give you an opening thought as we get started. Knowing, knowing and following God will always be greater. Regardless of what you already have is good. I want to hear that again. Knowing and following God will always be greater, regardless of whether or not what you have is already good. Lord, please guide us into all truth today. Rid my mind and heart of distractions. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would truly speak to us, Lord, that we would open up our heart and mind to you, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 45. The Bible says that Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Philip, and the Bible says that Philip went to look for Nathanael. Philip was a new Christian. He was simply and seriously, he had simply and seriously believed in the Lord Jesus to be the answer of how to go to heaven and the solution of of how to live on earth. He had believed in Jesus as the Son of God to be the answer for everything eternal and answer for everything living. And then Philip basically just went to somebody that he cared about. He went to Nathaniel and he told Nathaniel that this is the one that we have all been waiting on. He has arrived. He is here. Now, I want you to understand some context, so hang on before we actually get into it. These men were from the nation of Israel. And and they were God's chosen people, God's Old Testament chosen people through which God would be a blessing to the entire world, including me and you. And within God's plan to bless the world through the nation of Israel, God called leaders and prophets throughout the Old Testament to proclaim that there would be a chosen one, a Messiah, that would come and he would be the ultimate fulfillment of that blessing. For he would be able to forgive people of their sins before God. The Messiah would be the solution. He would be the answer to every question of our souls. 
The prophets said that Jesus would arrive with the words of God. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, the scripture says that he, Jesus, is the one all the prophets were telling you about. Saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Now I want you to notice in verse 45, Philip says, we have found. We have found means that they were looking. We have found means that they were searching. Now, with each verse that we cover today, I'm going to ask you a question, a question to provoke thought, personal reflection, and I want to begin with this one. What are you looking for? What are you searching for? I believe truly that if we're not looking for God, we're looking for something. We may just be looking for somebody to leave us alone, but we are searching for something. We are looking. If we take a quick look towards the top Google searches from this past week. Now, I did this on the front end of the week, and so it could have changed before now. But when I looked at Google and looked at the top three Google trends of what has been searched recently, this is what came up. Number one, vaccines. Number two, the hashtag, Stop Asian Hate. And then thirdly, March Madness. Those were the three things. Top Google searches from the past week. It could have changed by now, but that was it about Monday or Tuesday of this week. What do those represent? Why is that significant? Think about what those three things represent. Life, peace, and entertainment. Those three are represented. And, and, in fact, are those three things not three things that we search for ourselves? Let me ask you another question as a follow-up that won't be on the screen. What's in your search history? The last time that you've looked at your phone, your tablet, or computer screen, and you have searched, what did you put in that search bar? What did you search for? Because truly, I would almost wager that almost everybody in here during the last week has searched for something. If we're honest, we all search for these things as well. We search for life. We search for peace. We search for entertainment. We search for fulfillment. But when in the world, we often are searching for what God is not sending. And truly, we are searching for something different than what he has already sent. God did not send a possession. He sent a person. And God did not send a way to fame. He sent a way to forgiveness. God did not send a plan to prosperity. He sent a promise of eternal security. God didn't send a plan for vacation. He sent a plan for victory. Come on. You see, and this is not even about what he sent. This is about who he sent. God's desire to bless you and the whole world is through forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and abundant life that comes through his way on his terms, which is through Jesus Christ. That is the truth of God's word. When you know Jesus, you know God. When you know God, you know life. When you know Jesus, you know God. When you know God, you know purpose. When you know Jesus, you know God. When you know God, you know peace. When you know Jesus, you know God. And when you know God, it's something all better than entertainment. There's purpose in your life. Fulfillment in your life. you got a reason to get up in the morning, to live right, and to do right by God Almighty. Because he gives you that when you know him. Verse 46. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Israel. Again, God's Old Testament people, they had been waiting for the Messiah to come for a long time. The solution to the problem. They had been waiting on this source, this Messiah of the blessing. And Nathaniel, just to be quite honest, well, he was just real skeptical. 
I don't know if I believe that or not. You told me he came from Nazareth. So he had doubts and he had questions because truly they had been waiting for a while. If we want to be quite honest, Nathaniel was also a bit prejudiced. He was from Galilee. People from Galilee did not look at people from Nazareth the same way that they ought to. As we covered just a couple weeks ago, there was just a little bit of prejudice in Nathaniel, and that little bit of prejudice is sin every time. Every time. So he was skeptical, he was prejudiced, which means he was a sinner, just like me and you as we look at the Scripture, and it's going to say that Nathaniel was a man of complete integrity. It was not referring to his state before God. Every man before God is a sinner separate from God until we turn from ourselves and turn to God through Jesus. Nathaniel was a sinner. He had a little bit of prejudice in him. The truth is, is Nathaniel was also a bit selfish. He said, what, what good could come from Nazareth? Can anything good from, come from there? That word good means benefit, which means this. What will this benefit me to introduce me to this guy? What can he do for me? What good can God do for me? What good can this church do for me? What good can coming to church do for me? What can it do for me? Man, we're real selfish, y'all. I confessed to God this morning before I got here how selfish I am. Just to be straight with you. That's who I am in my nature. I look out for me. And if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd have burned my whole life down, I promise you. And so we are this way. We're skeptical. We got questions. We're selfish. We're, we're sinful. And so the next question that I would ask all of us this, as we are here, as Nathaniel was before Jesus, as we are here today before the Word of God, let me ask you as we think about ourselves and think about our relationship with God, what is your hold up? What is holding you up? What is holding you back? Everything that Philip and Nathaniel had been waiting on, everything that Nathaniel was, was hoping for, looking for, searching for, was right in front of him. What was his hold up? Is it possible today that inside your heart and your mind that God is asking you the same thing? Some of us have lived in North Alabama all our life. There's a church on every corner. You could throw a rock and hit two of them. You can go on Hughes Road in Madison and get saved seven times before you hit the next road. <laughs> We've been in a Christian culture for as long as we can remember. Yet still not certain about our relationship with God. What is your hold-up? As we have discovered in the last couple of weeks, the truth is, is God can't do anything in your life but everything. But everything. What's holding you back from that? Do you feel like God owes you some answers? Do you feel like you got questions and you want to have them answered and you're going to put God on trial? Do we feel that way? I understand that if you feel that way. Do we have sin in our life? We love that sin more than we love God. We're going to hang on to it as long as we can without it completely breaking us down. Taking everything that we have that God would bless us with. Are we just so selfish that we don't want to even explore the next deal because we're okay with the deal we got? What is our holdup? The truth is, what stood between Nathaniel and the living God? And what stood between Nathaniel and eternal life? And what stood between Nathaniel and an all-purpose life was Nathaniel. We can insert our name right there as well. A lot of times what stands between us and God is just flat out us. Christians, I want you to take note on this as we look at that verse of Scripture. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, saved and going to heaven, 
Notice that Philip did not argue back and forth with Nathaniel. More than likely, he didn't have all the answers to the questions that Nathaniel would ask. He's from Nazareth. Now, if he would have asked another question, I don't even know if Philip could have answered it. As one Christian thinker said, I don't know can be a terrific theological answer. You know what? I don't know. Do you know what he did tell him? He said, you're just going to have to come see him. Come and see is what he said. You know what this means? Go with me. Go with me. I'll go with you. Yesterday, we took those, those card invites that we passed out to everybody. everybody. And, and I went door to door. My son went with me. We went two together. And he asked me, he, he said, why, why is it good that I went with you? I said, it's the ministry of presence, man. There's something about you joining me that, that takes the pressure off one and it kind of spreads it to both of us. But going, listen, church will stick when you have someone with you. Friends, be a friend. Invite somebody to come. You don't have to know all the answers to invite somebody to church. If there's anybody in here that's got all the answers to every question, you can stand on up, but we're not going to believe you. In fact, let me just go and kneel on down for that one. You can join the rest of us. You can join the rest of us because while God and while being a Christian is knowing God, being a Christian is also seeking God. So let's just seek God together. Don't be afraid to invite somebody to church because you may not be able to answer their questions. Say, come and see. Let's learn together. And don't underestimate the power of an invitation. Today, at the end of the services, we'll open up this altar. We're going to have pastors standing right here. We got people that truly want to help you with your next steps as being a Christian. If you're thinking today, I need to be saved in this today. And I'm going to get saved today, and I'm not going to put it off any longer. You may be thinking to yourself, there's a lot of folks in here, and I'm not going to walk up in front of them. But what if a friend said, I'll go with you? Come and go with me. Come and see. Take somebody by the hand and say, if it's today, I'm going. I'll go with you. You don't have to know all the answers. Verse 47. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus knew Nathanael. He saw him coming, and he knew what was in his heart as he approached, because Jesus is God. And when Jesus said, A genuine son of Israel, and he gave him credit for being a man of complete integrity, he was referring to Nathanael's heritage as an Israelite. Now stay with me. Nathanael was a descendant of Jacob. Jacob was one through which God continued his covenant promise through in the Old Testament. While God was faithful to Jacob, it took a while for Jacob to be faithful to God. And when he was, his name was changed by God from Jacob to Israel. Now, the name he had before, Jacob, actually meant deceiver. He was a manipulator. If you remember, in the Old Testament, he manipulated his brother and his father out of a blessing. He was a deceiver. And so as Jesus sees him coming, a child of Israel, Jesus says, now this is a genuine man of Israel. This is a man of complete integrity. What he is doing is he is making a distinction between Jacob and and between Nathaniel. And as he comes, he knows that this man is coming seeking to know the truth of God. He didn't come towards him to ask him questions to catch him in a trap like others did. He he didn't come with any sort of deception in his heart, and Jesus knew that. Don't get me wrong, Nathaniel was not without sin, 
Jesus meant when he was approaching, he was finding out his identity, and he knew already there was no prior disapproval. He was just open and honest before God, seeking to know the truth of God. Let me ask you another question today. Why are you here? Why are you here? Think about that, because there's all kinds of reasons. Well, it's Easter. That's why we're here. We do this every Sunday. That's why we're here. Somebody invited me. That's why I came. But why? What is, motives matter to God. What is the reason that you are actually here today? Did you know the Bible says in chapter 2 of John in verse 25 that the Bible says God knows what's in each person's heart. He knows the actual why of why you came. One of my favorite stories of Lindsay Lane East. When we were there, we had a, a young married couple that walked in. So we wanna, we, we've been here for a while. We want to join the church. Wonderful. Glad to see you. The way you join our church is really two ways. You, you talk to, to a pastor or a decision counselor and have a conversation that matters about salvation and baptism. And then you take new members class. New members class, a lot of people hear that and go, we've got to pass a test. No, you don't have to pass a test. We're just trying to do our due diligence to tell you who we are and what we believe. We want to take two hours of your time to talk about our church if you're serious about it or if you want to just check it out. So we were at this decision counseling time. We sat there before this couple. And I said, well, tell me your story of you and God. Tell me about your spiritual life. You know, what's going on? The wife spoke up and she said, I knew I was a sinner when I was a child. I, I confessed my faith in Jesus Christ. I sought the Lord for forgiveness. I believe in Jesus. I've been baptized. You know, we've had life go on between then and now. And there's been times when I was close and times when I wasn't. We want to get our family back in church. Amen. Amen. Sounds good. I looked at him and I said, what about you, man? Why are you here? No joke. He looked at me and he said, oh, man, I'm just here because she's here. He said, I, I love my wife and she wanted me to come, so I came. Man, I appreciate that honesty. You got to sit before me and tell me all kinds of stories. I'm so glad to hear that. Truth is, God knows why you're here and he can work with it, whatever it is. You know, a few years later, that young man that said, I'm just here because she's here, he got saved. He stood before our church and gave his testimony. He wept as he talked about what God's done in his life. It doesn't matter why you're here. God can work with it. Can I tell you something on behalf of our church? I don't know why you're here. I know why some of you are. I don't know why all of you are. I'm just glad you're here. We do this every Sunday, y'all. I'm just glad that you're here today. And I know that God can work with the reason that you are here. And regardless of why you're here, God knows, and, and we're just glad that you're here. But you may say today, yeah, but see, that's just the thing, though. Nathaniel, Jesus said of Nathaniel, he was a man of complete integrity, a, 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 a genuine person, a child of Israel. This is the man that's coming. That's the kind of guy that gets saved right there. That's the kind of guy that joins a church. I know when I look in my life, I don't see a man of complete integrity, so Jesus is not going to do the same thing for me. You're missing the point. The reason why God would put Nathaniel before us as an example, a man of complete integrity seeking God honestly, is to say this, if Nathaniel needed the forgiveness of God, then so do all the rest of us. If a, a man that is looked at by Jesus as a man of complete integrity also needs to know and walk with and be forgiven by the Savior, then everybody else does too. Verse 48. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, 
I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. We're, we're not given all the details as to how this happened, but Jesus, because he is God, he saw Nathaniel in another place and time. And God is not bound by place and time. And so he could see Nathaniel sitting there before he ever walked towards Jesus. He knew who he was. God knows who we are. And Jesus told Nathaniel information that only God could know. Maybe Nathaniel had this moment, and again, we're not, we're not told a lot of, of what went on in the heart and mind of Nathaniel, but maybe Nathaniel was much like us where he had this moment before God, whether he was broken or seeking, and he was like, God, find me. God, save me. God, help me. God, I want to know who you are. I'm tired of being this way. God, would you show me how to be saved? God, would you tell me what I need to do? God, would you fill the void in my life? And he's sitting under this fig tree, and whatever's going on on the inside of him, God can see him on the outside by that tree and on the inside of knowing what's on his heart. That's what God does. And whatever thought or consideration he had was significant. Jesus did the same with the woman at the well. No, ma'am, you haven't had one husband, you've had five. But you see... He was saying that because he knew that he was what she needed. He didn't let her off the hook because of her sin. But he talked to her about, you will worship in spirit and truth. This is me. I am the Messiah. I'm the one. I'm the chosen one. I'm the one you've been looking for, waiting on. God saw into her life. He sees. Let me ask you a question. In your life, what does God see? In your heart, in your mind, in your motives, in your past, in your today, in your Saturday night, and your Sunday morning, what does God see? A very simple but powerful quote from a pastor and author. Jesus sees the best and worst in us, and he loves us just the same. When I was 11 years old, the Spirit of God saw me. I was in church on a, on a Sunday night. Our parents got us in church every time the doors were open. The church I went to when I was a kid was about the size of this section right here. A little bit bigger than that. And I always look back in this direction because at 11 years old, I was sitting in the back of the church, back there, on a row by myself, and a guy very much like me was standing up and he was preaching the gospel. And he told me about how there are none good, no, not one. See, I was a good kid, I thought, 11 years old, I'd never done a whole lot of my life, never gotten too far from home, hadn't had a whole lot of things going on, so I thought, I'm in church on a Sunday night, Lord, not just a Sunday morning, but I'm here on a Sunday night, it's got to count for something. But the Bible says there are none good. No, not one. No one is seeking God. That's what the Bible says about man, about woman, about who we are. That's bad news. Because if we remain in our sin, knowing that by our very nature, we all, from the pastor to the prisoner, have sin in our life. And that's bad news because sin separates. It separates us from God. That's the bad news. But then, he began to share some good news and told me that God had made a way for me to be saved through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If I would simply turn from myself and turn to God, that I would be saved. I, I did not walk, the altar, walk to the altar that night. Truly, I pondered those things in my heart. I went home and I talked to my parents now, I, I told my mother, my dad came and sat beside us and said, Mom, if I, if I died tonight, I believe I'd go to hell. 
I believe I'd be separate from God because I've not done anything with my sin. I've never called upon the name of the Lord. And she said, well, son, God's made a way for you for forgiveness and eternal life of heaven through Jesus Christ. Would you like for me to pray with you? And I said, no, ma'am. And I went and got beside my bed on my knees and called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. And the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Hey, I'm a whosoever. So that night I turned for myself and I turned to God. But I want you to hear this as I'm sharing my testimony with you. My conversion did not begin with my parents. My conversion began with God seeing me. He spoke conviction into my heart that you're here but you don't know me. You're here, but you are separate from me. There's a, there's a real consequence for sin. And if you stay in sin, you will be separate. Y'all, I've said this many times. I don't think hell scares me as much as being separate from God forever. Not being able any longer to call upon the name of the Lord. That time's over. I'm so thankful that somebody shared the gospel with me that told me the good news that you can go to heaven too. You don't have to die and go to hell and be separate from God forever. But you've got to be saved on God's terms, which is to seriously turn from yourself and to simply place your ever-loving faith in the way that God has made for you to be saved through Jesus Christ. Verse 49. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Nathanael exclaimed and he proclaimed. This was a personal conversion moment. It was a personal decision belief moment. A passionate conclusion. Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Before he walked up in there with questions, and now after he was seeking God, he began to give God a title. Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Now there was a personal connection between who Jesus is and who Nathaniel was. But I want you to see who he identifies Jesus as. First of all, he calls him Rabbi. This is a title for teacher, yes, but it's an honorable title, which means this. Lord, you are up here, and I'm way down here. God, you are above. You are Lord. You are Master It's not like you're kind of here and religious and I'm kind of here. No, no, no. He's way up here over and above. He is rabbi. He speaks into life. He tells us what to do and how it should go. And then he says, son of God. This is a title of divinity. You're not going to get heaven without divinity doing something. And God has. This is the son of God. And the hope of heaven rests upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he calls him King of Israel. This is the office of Jesus, the title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that one day every knee will bow, whether willingly or unwillingly. It will bow to the throne of Jesus Christ. And listen to this. By Nathaniel calling him King of Israel, you know what that meant? It meant that he was King of Nathaniel. Over him. That Jesus was not just the one that he had called on for mercy and grace to be saved. But Jesus was the one that was going to direct and rule over his life. Y'all in the south get that on Easter Sunday. Jesus isn't, you don't call upon the name of the Savior to be saved. You call upon the name of the, hear me, the Lord to be saved. 
for God to take you over. That's what's happening at the moment of conversion. God, I'm done with me. I need all of you. You can bring me. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. This is why he said, you're king of Israel. He acknowledged for himself. The question with that verse is this. Who do you say that Jesus is? Have you answered that question for yourself? If this is God's way of making us right, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he Savior and Lord? A lot of people find out that it's someone that they called on a long time ago, but they have no idea who he really is. It's a religious figure, and you may be skeptical. You've not yet placed faith, and you have to answer the question for eternity based on the scripture that I see. Who do you say that Jesus is? Verse 50. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? Man, you're going to see greater things than this. I love that. I love that. You, you believe just because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Nathaniel had just seen the proof of God. Jesus knew him in his heart when he came. He saw him under a fig tree when he wasn't even there. But he was there. And now, after having this proof, Jesus told him, Man, this is awesome, isn't it? You hang on, because it's going to get even greater from here, brother. What did he mean by that? You will see greater things than this. In three years, from that point forward, the disciples, and Nathaniel was one of them, as most scholars believe, that Nathaniel was Bartholomew. He and all of the other disciples would see Jesus, the Son of God, heal the sick, cause the lame to walk. He would see Jesus give sight to a blind man, see him feed 5,000 from a combo mill. Jesus would, would walk on water. He would stop a storm by the voice of his mouth, say, that's enough, and the winds quit. Jesus would do all these things. He would reveal the truth of God as they sat and listened to him. Jesus would forgive sinners that were caught in the act of sin. I don't know what happened last night. I know this morning grace is still available. I know God's mercies are new every morning. They had watched Jesus forgive a woman caught in adultery right before them. They, they watched Jesus. Y'all, they watched him raise the dead. When he said, you will see even greater than this, they watched as Jesus raised the dead. We can't even wrap our minds around that. And then they watched as the perfect one, the Son of God, who they all knew was the chosen Messiah, the way of blessing from God to the world. They watched him as he perfectly carried their sin to a real cross, and he died on it. That was greater, too, because they could not make that payment for themselves. And so Jesus died on the cross. And then, ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. Are you hearing me? There ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. And when I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna get up out of the ground. Cause there ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. They saw. Amen. They saw Jesus, the Son of God, Get up from a graveyard cemetery, from a pot, and they saw the risen Savior, which did what? It validated everything they believed. Everything. 
He said, you saw, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Man, you just hang on, brother, because it's going to get real good from here. Greater, more. Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Nathaniel had observed what God had revealed. Listen, in order to see greater things in this life, you have got to use a different lens. We've got to see through a different lens. Let me ask you this question as we're getting ready to close. How do you see yourself in the world? How do you see yourself and the world? What is your view of the world? I read of a middle school student who could not pay attention. He sat up towards the front. They moved him around the classroom. It seemed like everything was going well. But then, struggling again. And so he struggled so much that they actually led him to see a therapist. He went to see the therapist. The therapist actually suggested, this is a true story, actually suggested that he go to see the eye doctor. Well, he already had glasses, but the family thought, well, I'll just take him to see the eye doctor. So they took him to see the eye doctor. When he got to the eye doctor, it was just as they thought. His vision was the same. That's why they had given him glasses. But then they checked his glasses. And when they checked his glasses, they saw that in his lenses were off 90 degrees from the axis that it was supposed to be on. Now, I'm not an optometrist or an eye doctor, but I know that what that means is there's blurred vision. He was not seeing the way that he was supposed to see. He was not seeing how he should have seen from the beginning. Now, come to find out, because we all like this, come to find out, true story, his mother got a deal on some lenses. That's the truth. That's the truth. His mother got a deal on some lenses. She went to buy one, get one free from a guy that was known for making bad deals to begin with. She got something cheap, and that's what he saw through instead of having what he should have seen and how he should have seen through it. If we look at the world and self through world and self, that's a cheap lens, y'all. It'll leave us seeing far less than what we were made to see. If we all see the world and ourselves from our opinion or through the culture of this world, we'll be just like this child. If we look at the world and ourselves through this lens, then we'll be confused and have a twisted focus towards the rest of our life. And you know what else will happen? If we look at ourselves and the world through the lens of ourselves and the world, it will leave us wanting to the point of where we are like this. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? If we want to see something greater, we've got to see through God's lens. Don't scoff at a Bible study. Don't turn your nose up about how important groups are and getting around the Word of God. Don't turn away from studying your Bible every day. It will help us see ourselves and the world appropriately so that we can reflect His glory in this world. There's so much more to see in Jesus Christ's pastoral decision. There's so much more to see if you've been saved 25 years ago. There's so much more to see past your salvation and your baptism. Greater, more. Verse 51, and we'll close. Then he said, I tell you the truth, which means I'm serious. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. And the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. This again is a sentence that would have been connected to the Israelite history, to, to Jacob. Jacob in the Old Testament had a, had a, a dream of a ladder that reached into heaven. And, and Jesus, again, was making it plain to Nathaniel as he believed. 
Jacob saw that ladder going into heaven. Nathaniel, I am that ladder. I am the way to heaven. I am the way to eternal life. Jacob, back in Genesis, received revelation of the hope of heaven. Nathaniel got the revelation of the way to heaven, which is what we're telling you about right now. You won't get to heaven unless you go on Jesus. According to what God's word says. And y'all, just like any other religion, just like within ourselves, we think in order to get there, we have to climb the ladder. No, you just got to trust the ladder. We don't climb the ladder. There are not amount of good works that you could do to be holy before God, which is why he's made a way for you to trust that way to be the provision for your own eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Easter Sunday. Let me ask you this final question. Are you sure, are you sure you are right with God and going to heaven? I want you to think about it for real. I don't care how many times you come up. I don't care if you're visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time or you've never been to church. Hear me this morning, please. If I'm going to heaven, I want you to go with me. And the truth is, there's no if to that statement because Jesus bought and paid for it. There's eternal security. Are you sure that you are right with God and going to heaven? Are your kids sure that they're right with God and going to heaven? Y'all, it's Easter. This is why we're here to talk about things that matter. Because in just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to come let us help you with that. Again, we'll have pastors down here. we got decision counselors. If you thought to yourself, I'll never walk that out, forget that. We're all here for you. Five words, I need to be saved. That's all you got to say. We'll help you. We'll take it from there. I want to give you this thought as we close. Sometimes we think getting right with God and following Jesus. Sometimes we think getting right and following Jesus and walking with God every day could be greater but the way that we look at it in the South sometimes is this. We think that greater walk with Jesus is going to go from like $5 to say $6. That's kind of the way we look at it. Yeah, we'll do that church stuff. That way we'll go from $5 to $6. Did you hear what I said about those that follow Jesus? That ain't $5 to $6. God did things in their life, through their life, before them and with them that they wouldn't trade for any amount of money. I know that there's people moving behind us, and that's what they're supposed to do because we're about to lead us an invitation. But, y'all, you know what else? Sometimes, as we begin to close, think about this. Sometimes we don't think it's worth it at all because we're afraid that a closer walk with God and a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ is going to mess up the deal we got. We're, we have salvation We've genuinely called upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And now for him to take us any further may mess with our money, may mess with our time, may mess with our focus, may mess with our family, may mess with our mission. Greater, greater, more. With God, even if what you have is already good, greater. That's what God can do for you. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you all so much for coming. This is a time for our invitation. Again, we do this every Sunday. We'd like to have you back. But I want you to know in this moment, as we just asked the question, are you right with God? Are you going to heaven? Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Simply, seriously, we have, we have pastors standing right here. We're not going to 
quiz you. We're not going to ask you how much you know. We never embarrass you for anything in the world. But if the Spirit of God is moving on your heart and mind that you need to get right with God, then don't put it off. It's Easter Sunday. This is why we are here, to celebrate a risen Savior who's paid everything so that you can be right with God. If you don't have all the answers, then ask us. We'll help you. If you want to join the church today, today's the day. I'm tired of playing games. Go and join the church. If you want to be baptized, take those next steps. Today's the day. Whatever it is, you want to come to the altar and pray. If you've got questions that we can help you with, that's why we're here. Lord Jesus.